are in a series called Distractions. And, uh, and what we're talking about is all the things that, we can, that can turn our attention, uh, that, can, that can grab us, and uh, that turn our attention away from God. And so we've been talking about things like regret, that sometimes uh, we can get so focused on our, our mistakes in the past, like maybe making a sexist comment or something like that, that, that we get so focused on that that we miss God. And in almost every case, actually every case, God is the solution to the thing that we have our attention focused on. And so with regret, we focus on our regrets and we focus on why do we make that mistake and why do we do that when it's God that restores and redeems us. We talked about um, the distraction of comparison, that we focus on somebody else's life, somebody else's things, somebody else's spouse, somebody else's achievements, and we lose the fact that God wants to use us to our fullest, that God has plans for us. Last week, we talked about the distraction of outrage. We can get so upset about what's going on in the world, and we can get so focused on that that we miss the God who is active in the world. And, and so these distractions are the things that uh, keep us away from God. And it's ironic because he is the one that satisfies all those needs. This morning, I want to talk about the distraction of consumerism. Now, I know uh, in America, it's a sin to question how much we consume because it's our right. We have life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? Happiness. Yeah. Stuff? Did somebody say stuff? Wow. (laughs) Okay, well, uh, yeah, uh, it, that, it's not stuff, but, uh, but, that, but that's it. I mean, we, we, when, when 9-11 happened, probably one of the most tragic times in our country's history, uh, the president came out and said, go shopping. That's how we get out of this. Go to the mall uh, to show that we, we stand united. And it, it seems weird, but all of us are consumers. It is part of who we are. I have my guitar up here. Um, uh, it's a was it crooked? It looked crooked to me. So anyway, um, the reason I bring this guitar, uh, I brought the guitar up here is because a lot of the natural woods that make this guitar, um, there's a, a um, rosewood in the back, and this is a, a western cedar f- top, um, are, are becoming extinct. <laughs> they're hard to find. They're hard to resource. But the one wood on this guitar that's really... Uh, having a struggle is this fretboard. It's made of ebony, and uh, it's very difficult to find truly black ebony a- anymore. As a matter of fact, there's only one country left in the world where you can purchase ebony um, legally. Now, once you make something illegal, it becomes more valuable, and so there are lots of different countries where they're essentially poaching these trees. The other problem is, uh, as a consumer, we demand that the ebony be black. And so in order to get black ebony, you, for, for every one tree that you have that has black ebony, you have to cut down 20 trees. And, and, and you can't tell if it's going to be black or not until you cut them down. And so for these countries that are going through this, this is just one example of many, many, many things that we are consuming at too rapid a rate. Now, you say, well, John, you sound like a tree hugger, and 
I probably am, and that's okay. But uh, and, and, and our, the ministry that we love to support here is Eden Projects. And so I was talking to Steve Fitch, the founder of Eden, uh, this week. And I said, hey, did you know the crisis of, in, in, with ebony? And he said, yes, we've planted 10,000 ebony trees this year. So, so we got people working on it, okay? Uh, but the point is that... You could pick anything. I just picked my guitar, but you could pick any topic, and you can pretty much figure that the Americans, us, you and I, we consume more than we should. Now, this can show up in a lot of different ways. For some of you, it's shoes, okay? Uh, you just love shoes. You have lots of shoes. You've got 20 pairs of shoes. You, if there's a sale on shoes, you go apoplectic. You're just like, this is awesome. You keep all the little coupons you get in the mail for just in case you want to buy some shoes and if they come out with a new shoe, okay? So we make fun of people who buy a lot of shoes, but it also could be something uh, like tools <laughs> where you just buy tools. And you have tools that measure your tools. You have tools that keep track of your tools. And you've got tools that organize the tools that measure your tools. And you've just got tools. It could be, it, we could pick any single topic. And so we've got things that we know we're buying and wasting that we don't need. But what if, what if it's worse than that? What if our appetites and what we consume actually has an effect on the rest of our lives? What if we can't control an appetite? What if we can't um, monitor it? And that's what I want to talk about this morning, is that our appetites, our need to consume, can distract us from God in such a way that we miss out on what He has for us in the future. Um, we're going to be looking at a section of Scripture in the book um, of Genesis, and uh, it's the first book of the Bible. Uh, if you're looking at your uh, cell phone for the Bible, it's the first page of, of that. Uh, you just swipe right, and you're, you got it. You're, you're right there. Um, but what we're talking about is uh, a couple brothers, and one particular brother had a problem consuming, and it cost him everything. Now, uh, we're... we're um, in Genesis chapter 25, and what we're, who we're talking about is, uh, just to give you some background, when God picked somebody to kind of be his people, he picked Abraham. And Abraham, one of the tests God did for Abraham is he had him, um, he told him to sacrifice his own son. And all of this was imagery for what was going to happen with Jesus later on. But um, uh, God picks Abraham and he says, I want you to go up on top of this mountain. I want you to sacrifice your son. That'll show that you love me. So Abraham does that. He goes up, he goes up. And right when it comes time for that, it was his son Isaac, God provided a sacrifice instead. And that began the whole sacrificial system. That we needed something to take the place of our sin. And so that was Abraham. And that son he had at that time was Isaac. So what we're going to look at, we're going to look at Isaac, uh, his life and his kids. And uh, what happened was Isaac uh, married a, a woman named Rebecca, and they had tw essentially twins, uh, Esau and Jacob. And what the, when they were born, Esau came out first, 
And for that particular culture, to be the firstborn was a very, very, very big deal. It came, a lot of responsibility came with that. A lot of expectation came with that. But the Bible tells us that when Esau came out, Jacob was hanging on to his leg. Like, almost like, no, I want to be first. And so that whole thing uh, is a foreshadowing of what their entire relationship was like. Now, um, for those of you who have siblings, you might have had this type of um, competition with your brother or your sister or whatever. My brother was seven years older than I was. So basically, I was just abused by him (laughs) my entire life, which is why I go to counseling. But the point is... that for these two brothers, and if you, if you have two sons uh, or, or, or two nephews or what have you, uh, you've probably seen this happen. They were in constant uh, battle with each other. And the other thing that we notice is that they were really different people. So let's take a look at this. Genesis chapter 25, starting in verse 22, uh, 27. The boys grew up. Now you can just, when you read this verse, you can just imagine what this home was like. Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country. So he's like a man's man, okay? While Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents, okay? So he was kind of, um, we'd call it like a mama's boy. Now, Now imagine you've got one son who's just manly. Everything about him is manly. As a matter of fact, we'll see in just a few verses, that he was also hairy, okay? Like he had, he had, uh, like anyone who has a lot of arm hair, by the way, is very manly. I just wanted to point that out, okay? So, so anytime you see somebody, you know, oh, wow, what do you know? No, uh, but, but this, this was, the, like they were playing into the total stereotypes, right? He was manly, he would go out, he would hunt, he would do all, all this kind of stuff. And Jacob, liked cooking class, okay? I mean, Jacob was, uh, he majored in home ec, you know, so you got the, you got the captain of the football team, and then, um, you know, the, the teacher's pet, if you will, and, and here, here we are, and you can imagine, especially, I can't even tell you what this culture would have been instilling in them, and would have been, um, uh, you know, making very strong these, these stereotypes. It gets even worse. Watch what it says uh, in verse 28. Isaac, so this is the dad, who had a taste for wild game. Now, here's the first part that we're going to be talking about, about these appetites. Isaac had an appetite. Loved Esau because Esau would catch the wild game that Isaac liked. But Rebekah loved Jacob. So you can see, you know, what I love about the Bible is their families are just as dysfunctional as ours, okay? (laughs) And this is what's being set up right now. Isaac, he loved Esau. Esau would go and get him some food. Esau would, uh, he was a man's man. He was hairy. He was, he, was, he, was like, he was like the guy. And then Jacob, well, that you can hang out with, with mom, okay? Now watch what happens. This is amazing. This, this whole story is just incredible, what we can learn from it. Verse 29, once... When Jacob was cooking some stew, because he was in home ec, all right, Esau came in from the open country famished. Have you ever been famished? (laughs) Right? So um, I love my son. He's awesome. Uh, And uh, pretty much every day uh, we hear, and I asked him if it was okay to share this, we hear these particular words. I'm 
starving. <laughs> right? Unless he's 16, so he probably is uh, uh, often hungry. I was when I was 16, but I'm starving. And so you, you've had that before where you've been like, I don't, I don't think I could go another day. Like I can't go another hour without some food. Now, the reality is um, we could not feed him and he would probably make it even past 30 days. Like he's not starving and, and I'm not starving when I say I'm starving. I could go quite a bit of time without some food, but this is the mindset of our appetites. We tend to overstate them. As a matter of fact, science calls this an impact bias. Okay, that's what's happening in your brain. When there's an appetite or there's something uh, going on or you think you're not going to get something or you are going to get something you don't want, it's called impact bias and you overstate it, you overthink it. And we've all done this where we think to ourselves, I have got to get that now. It's immediate, okay? So Esau has this impact bias. He comes in from the open country. He's been hunting all all day. And you can kind of get this sense that he expects Jacob to take care of his needs. And so he he says uh, uh, he's famished. So here's what he says. And and catch this language. Quick. Okay. I want you to say quick. Just say quick. Quick. Okay. Wow. I didn't want you to yell it at me. But... uh, Quick, this is so important as we look at our own appetites and we look at how our appetites can distract us from God. Quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Now, having an older brother uh, who's seven years older than me, I never had anything to offer him, okay? Uh, so when he was 16, I was nine. I didn't have, none of, he didn't want to play with any of my toys. He didn't want to wear any of my clothes. He didn't want to do a- anything. I had nothing to offer him. I was probably in the way. But he had everything to offer me. I wore his hand-me-down clothes. I worshipped him. I like, I like looked up to him. and Everything was my brother, my brother, my brother. Now imagine if all of a sudden my brother needs something from me. Now the power shifts, and I want to get the most out of it I possibly can. Has this ever happened to you? Maybe at work, all of a sudden your boss needs something from you, and you're like, well, let's see what we can do here. How can I leverage this? This is exactly what happens to Jacob, and you'll see that Jacob has appetites of his own. What Jacob does so Esau is saying, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very hungry. I'd like some of that stew. Jacob makes the most, un, the most preposterous deal you could ever imagine. Here's what he says. First, sell me your birthright. Now, we don't use this language. Um, what? Oh, uh, we don't use this kind of language with us, but... It's amazing what he's asking for. It would be like, let's say your, your parents were wealthy and, uh, and you knew they were going to pass away and, 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 and you were going to get an inheritance, okay? It would be like saying, hey, give me your portion of the inheritance. Give me a million dollars. Give me whatever. And not only that, it was, it was more than that. It was more than just the money. The, the one with the birthright, the firstborn, would make the decisions for the family when the parents were gone. 
So if you had an argument with your sister or there was something going on with the estate, that, that person with the birthright would be the one in charge. They could make all the decisions. So Jacob has the audacity to tell Esau, yeah, I'll give you some stew. You give me a million dollars. Our appetites, our ability to consume, if left unchecked, can cost us everything. And we don't need to go very far to see examples of that. Anytime you've looked at someone else's life and you've said, why in the world? Maybe you've looked at a marriage and you thought, he cheated on her? <laughs> I can understand the other way around, but he, like, he didn't, he's got nothing. Right? Like, like, we can see it in everybody else. And we go, how in the world? This is what happens to Esau. So Jacob makes this incredible statement. First, sell me your birthright. Um, and if you're going to gamble, you might as well gamble big, right? And here's what Esau says. Look, you can, you can just sense the urgency of this appetite because isn't it true that our appetites, when we get focused on them, they become bigger than what they really are. He says this, I'm about to die. <laughs> I'm about to die. When I watch lives around me crumble, when I have people in my office uh, who are going through crisis because of a mistake, because of an appetite that went unchecked, oftentimes it just starts with this idea of, I have to have that now. There's a sense that if we leave our appetites unchecked, we will trade the immediate, the eternal for the immediate. We'll, we'll, we'll say, I have to have that. I need that. I, I, I want that. I deserve that. And this is where we get distracted and then it costs us everything. He says, he says I'm about to die. What good is the birthright to me? And you and I can sit there and go, are you out of your mind? What do you mean, what good is it to you? It's everything. It's your whole future. His... Uh, Esau's whole future was wrapped up in that birthright. And I'm here to tell you that your whole future can be sacrificed by an unchecked appetite. By something you think you need. By something that you think you deserve. That if we don't monitor these appetites, and here's the thing about appetites, they're given to us by God. You're Appetite for food was given to you by your Heavenly Father. Your appetite for sexuality has been given to you by your Heavenly Father. Your appetite to create, your appetite to be recognized or noticed, that is all part of how God created you. But if they remain unchecked, or there's no one to speak into your life, or there's no one to monitor what's going on, it can cost you everything. And so he says, what good is this birthright to me? But Jacob, uh, he, he's going, now he's going for the throat, okay? And uh, he says, swear to me first. And so he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of stew. Red stew. Watch what happens. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread 
and some, you'd think that next word should be something big, <laughs> you know? Like, you're, you're, I'm going to take your birthright. At least uh, I should give you something. I put a little picture up here of what he sold his future for. It's lentil stew. I can't stand lentils, okay? My mom used to make us eat lentils. They're, they're, they, they're pasty and weird to me. His whole future for that. Who would do that? Me. <laughs> you. If our appetites aren't checked... If we don't continually bring our appetites before the Lord and say, God, am I going after something? Am I distracted by this to the extent that I miss out on you? Because you have no idea what God wants to do through you in your birthright that you have with your Heavenly Father. The Bible says this, you have been bought with a price, that your life is not your own. The Bible tells us that uh, your future is ordained by God. The Bible tells us that you are uniquely valuable, that you can be used in ways you would never, ever, ever consider. You just don't experience yet. And so our appetites, those things we want, and they, they can be in all sorts of shapes and sizes, can distract us from what God would have in our lives. What's amazing is that uh, in the Bible, and if you've been a student of the Bible for any length of time, um, you've heard this term, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and what? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know what it should have been? I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. That's what was supposed to happen. Esau sold that. Esau sold his future for a bowl of soup. Some of us are willing to sell our future for one night. Some of us uh, will sell our relationship with our kids because of one thing, because of one thing that we need right now. Some of us are going to sell our career for something that we have an appetite for. And your heavenly father is here to say, get a hold of that. Control that. Your future is too important. And so here's what he says. He says, um, uh, so Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. And he got out of it a birthright. And then... The next verse, I, I, I broke it up into uh, two, two sections. It's so tragic. The next verse is so tragic. And yet, we'll see it played out all week long. You'll see it played out on the news. I mean, the fact that Prince passed away at a very young age, most likely, uh, we don't know for sure, most likely because he could not control an appetite. He ate and drank and then got up and left. Now, it just takes a second. 
It just takes one decision. It just takes an appetite that uh, is uh, not controlled. It just takes a, um, a one type of indiscretion. And then we get up and we leave. And here's the tragedy. Oftentimes, and you've probably seen this in your own life, maybe even with your own parents, oftentimes the result isn't immediate. Esau got up. It was full, probably, and was like, that was fantastic. And he went about his business. Years go by, he's, like, he's just hunting and doing all, all this stuff. And Isaac's all like, hey, great job, Esau. I'm so proud of you. You know, go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until it's later, and he begins to realize the mistake he made. It's, here's what it says in the Bible. So Esau despised his birthright. Do you think Esau despised his birthright from the very beginning? Do you think he one day said, you know what, I don't, I don't really care about my birthright. It, Esau didn't despise his birthright first and then sell it for some soup because he didn't value it. Esau valued his appetite. Uh, Esau um, uh, valued his appetite more than his future. Here's what I've noticed in my own life. When I, whether my appetite is for ebony wood or uh, something I'm hungry for, it, it, it's immediate and it needs to be satisfied now. But here's what I've learned about my Heavenly Father. His plan for my life goes far beyond the immediate. Aren't you glad that that's your Heavenly Father? He's not so concerned with your appetite right now. He's not so concerned with what you're going to consume right now. He's, he's concerned about eternity for you. Now, why would we trade eternity with our Heavenly Father or e- e- an eternal perspective for something that's immediate? It's because God gave us these appetites and they will never, ever, ever be satisfied. Have you ever... Uh, well, of course you have, but uh, Thanksgiving is when I uh, overeat uh, quite a bit. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you, you gear up for it, you get the turkey, you get all that kind of stuff, and everybody brings something, and you eat uh, until you can't eat anymore. And then what do we say at the end? I, I'll never, <laughs> I, I don't ever want to eat again, okay? And then uh, it's le- called leftovers, and we start eating sandwiches and like all, all this kind of stuff because those appetites are, are, are never going to be satisfied. There's, there's no way. And here's the lie that um, your flesh and the enemy is going to give you is that this particular thing will satisfy that particular appetite, whether it's food, whether it's sex, whether it's getting... Uh, uh, enough appreciation or or making it in a certain way in your in your um work or what have you that there's this lie that when you get that that will be enough and i'm here to tell you because i've seen it a bunch of times and the bible supports me in this it will never be enough the appetites you and i have will never be satisfied until we're with our heavenly father face to face that's what heaven is It's God satisfying all those appetites in eternity. Um, For some of you, 
uh, you know what that appetite is. Even as I begin to talk, um, you know there's this one section of your life that you keep trying to satisfy and you keep trying to go after it and it just doesn't happen. And I'm here to tell you that it won't happen. You can't satisfy those things outside of Jesus. And so those distractions, that distraction of our appetite, that distraction to consume will keep us away from the one who can truly satisfy. And so what, what I want to do um, is take a little bit of time. We're going to take um, probably just a couple minutes to just, and we do this every, every so often, to just be quiet, to just have it be silent. And here's what I'd ask you to do during that time, and then I'll, I'll come back up and pray for us, and Ajua can come up. Uh, I want you to go before your Heavenly Father and ask Him, Lord, is there an appetite? Is there something I'm focused on that I think is going to satisfy a need that is drawing me away from you? And so that's, that's the only question you're going to ask. And for some of you, you're like, I don't even have to ask him. Right when you said appetite, I knew what it was, okay? And, and that's fine. Just take the two minutes to be quiet with your Heavenly Father. But uh, I want to give us this time to be able to just say, Lord, what is it that I'm trying to satisfy outside of you? And let him speak. Lord God, we are um, amazed that you would use us um, 
to build your kingdom, that you would use us to bring shalom to um, our neighborhoods, to our homes, to our church, that you would use our, the way you've created us, our gifts and our, the way we're bent a certain way. And, um, Lord God, we do not want to miss out on the plan that you have for us because of an appetite. Something that we know will never be satisfied until we're uh, in eternity with you. So Lord, as you've spoken to us during this time, um, I pray you'd also give us wisdom on how to move forward, how to curb those appetites, how to place them in your hands, to how to say, um, uh, now is not the most important uh, time, but eternity is. That you'd give us the strength and the courage oftentimes to be able to say no, uh, the courage to be able to trust you to have those needs fulfilled. And so, Lord, I just pray as you've spoken to us that we now would have the strength and the uh, peace and the wisdom to move forward from there. Lord, we do not want our appetites to cost us our future. And so, Lord, help, help us. Help us to be strong. Help us to be wise. In Jesus' name, amen.